This is a Hot Pie Media Original. I often say that incentivizing, sorry, motivating other people is similar to motivating yourself. You just change the, the subject of the intervention. With incentives, it's slightly different because when you incentivize yourself, you already have another reason why you want to achieve it. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Coram, founder of AIM7, and this is The Blueprint. I've spent my life helping Olympic gold medalists, NFL, and NCAA athletes be the best at their craft. Now I'm taking that experience and translating it into your life. This podcast is for busy professionals and household CEOs who care deeply about their family, career, and their health. There's an ocean of content to wade through, but I do the heavy lifting for you and distill cutting-edge science leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by Eilat Fishbach. Eilat is the Jeffrey Breckenridge Keller Professor of Behavioral Science and Marketing and IBM Corporation Faculty Scholar at the Chicago Booth School of Business. Dr. Fishbach has been published in many top psychology and business journals, and her research is regularly featured in the media, including the Wall Street Journal, CNN, Chicago Tribune, NPR, and was selected to be featured in the New York Times Annual Year in Ideas. In this episode, Dr. Fishbach reveals how to harness the science of motivation to achieve your goals. You will also learn why motivation isn't a feeling but rather a multifactorial force you can control to accomplish your goals. But before we get into that, please take one second and smash the subscribe button on whichever listening platform you are joining us from, because this is one of the best ways that you can support the podcast. But right now, imagine a team of world-class coaches and scientists focused only on you. What would that feel like? These experts know exactly what you need today because they are precisely in tune with your mind and your body. That kind of guidance is now available to everyone. AIM7 is a health and fitness app that turns your wearable data into personalized exercise recommendations that layer on top of popular exercise programs that you already love, like Apple Fitness Plus, Peloton, and F45. These recommendations prevent burnout and improve long-term fitness. Then AIM7 picks up where wearables fail, and it teaches you how to fix your most pressing wellness issues, such as improving sleep and energy and reducing stress. To get early and free access to this exclusive program, go to www.aim7.com. That's A-I-M-7.com and sign up now. There are limited spots available each month, so sign up now and reserve your spot. But now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Ayelet, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, it is great to be here, Eric. Thanks for having me. Um, before we go deep into the science of motivation. Would you mind defining what motivation is? Uh, motivation is a, a power. It's a force. It's the thing that uh, gets you from uh, here to there. It's, it's basically this uh, internal power to uh, uh, get somewhere. Okay. There's, you know, people watch motivational videos. They listen to things to, to motivate them. But I think we often think about motivation as a feeling. But after reading your book, there's a framework that we can we can put into action, some rules of thumb to help us consistently pursue our difficult goals. And the things that I pulled out of the book was, number one, choosing the right goal, sustaining your motivation by monitoring your progress, 
learning how to juggle multiple goals because it's not like we have one goal in life. There's a lot of things going on. And then seeking social support. So I'd like to kind of break this down a little bit. And do you mind double clicking on how to choose the right goal? Uh, yes. And uh, by the way, I would say that uh, I don't think about motivation as a, as a feeling. When we think about motivate other people, uh, we don't think about how to uh, get them to feel. We think about how to get them to act. And so when we are trying to motivate ourselves, it's, it's really more about the, the action and maybe what you are trying to control or change is how you feel about something. You know, maybe also want to go to the gym. Uh, and so, I think that's uh, wonderful. From a scientific perspective, I want to help reframe people's mindsets. And that's why I threw that out there because feelings fail us. And and this, what you're talking about is much deeper than that. Yes. And uh and I believe that all behavioral scientists would agree that to change behavior, you need to change the situation, you need to change the circumstance in which this behavior occurs. And when you're trying to change someone else, you're changing their situation, you're trying to change yourself, you're changing your own situation. So this is the basic principle and everything else follows. Like you, you change the, the way you see your situation. Uh, and, and now I'm, uh, we were talking about how to set goals. Yeah. Like the first thing <laughs> is like choosing the right goal. So kind of taking us through the high, the high level points of your book, get it done, which yeah. I love by the way. And I highly recommend people read it. I love the tide of the cover too. It's really <laughs> great. Great work on that. But yeah. How do we choose the right goal? Thank you. Uh, well, uh, in terms of content, uh, the right goal should be the, the, the goal that really helps us uh, develop and, and, and thrive and, and is not bad for us. Uh, I actually will say very little about the, the content uh, of this goal and more about the, the process of how to set the right there you uh, go, goal. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the, the process, uh, this goal needs to be a goal and not a means to a goal, not a chore and understanding that your goal is not something that you are going to force yourself to do, but something that is uh, exciting, that is a destination, is often the first place to start. Uh, start by asking you, asking yourself why you want to do this. Okay? And, and you know, maybe ask a few why questions. Don't become so abstract that, that you no longer know how to do the thing that you are doing, but uh, sufficiently abstract so that uh, you're at the right level of understanding what's the purpose. Why am I doing it in the first place? Uh, people don't like to invest their time and effort in means. They like to work toward important goals. Uh, do goals tend to be better than do not uh, goals? Approach goals tend to be better than uh, avoidance uh, goals. This is basically saying the same thing twice. Hmm. <laughs> So like, for instance, I want to lose weight versus I want to avoid chocolate or I want to improve my body composition instead of I want to avoid obesity. Uh, exactly. And the general framing here would be I want to approach health okay. uh, more than uh, trying to get rid of all my unhealthy habits. And the problem with avoidance goals is that they often seem urgent, which is good but there is less stamina. Okay? And the, the, the reason is that as you are pursuing an avoidance, a do not goal, 
you bring to mind the thing that you are trying to avoid. Okay, so I should not eat chocolate. I should not eat chocolate. Am I eating chocolate? Uh, well, have I had chocolate yesterday? And the more you check, the more you keep thinking about the thing that you are trying not to, uh, to do. There was a you know, wonderful research by uh, Dan Wagner uh, back in the days, uh, in the 90s. He asked people not to think about white bears. Hardly a temptation before I mentioned that you should not think about it. But now that I told you not to think about white bears, you really just cannot get this off your mind. <laughs> <laughs> right? So like we, we make something a temptation just because we are trying to avoid it. Uh, so yes, uh, approach something is uh, usually better than uh, avoiding. Uh, intrinsic motivation. So, uh, you know, doing something that uh, is exciting, that feels good at the moment, thinking about how to make your goals something that feels right or good or fun or whatever positive immediate reward you can get uh, while you're pursuing it, making it part of the experience. And, and making sure that you have the, the right incentives in place that... Uh, um, that doing it is associated in your mind with uh, whatever is incentivizing. Can we can we pause on incentives and kind of dig into that a little bit? How do incentives work? A uh, good question. Incentives are often mini goals. Okay, so the you know, the reason that I want to uh, be uh, successful in my career, let's say, or I want to take uh, exercise. Uh, uh, is uh, you know because I, I I want to have a good career. I want to be a healthy person. Uh, this is the general goal. You you never quite achieve it. It's really just the, the process of making progress, of getting there, of doing more uh, than, than you did uh, before. Uh, the incentives are the mini goals that you actually achieve. Maybe I set a rule for myself that if I exercise uh, 300 minutes this week, then I'm going to reward myself with, uh, I don't know, whatever makes me feel good, okay, a nice smoothie, a movie night, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, this is more tangible, uh, this is uh, immediate, and to the extent that these rewards become associated with activity, then it's often that like the small motivators, the, the things that, that get us uh, going, uh, and knowing that my my morning exercise uh, ends up with uh, uh, some you know, nice uh, uh, drink uh, could be the, the incentive that works for me. I uh, was fortunate enough to talk to Hal Brierly a number of times. Hal invented essentially the incentives and rewards market uh american uh what is it american rewards hertz gold marriott like you name it he came up with this he actually has a school at smu and um he ta told me the best incentive program he's probably ever seen is starbucks because it's very clear on where your goal is to get to 50 points you get a cup of coffee you get to this many points, you get this. And it's just so clearly laid out. And for, some people are chasing these little incentives just to get the free cup of coffee when they really <laughs> spent like 20 bucks. But can, we? Can, it sounds to me like we can use incentives in a really positive way to, as you say, pull us towards the goal that we want. Because you said there's goals that pull us. Yeah. And, isn't that right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Although notice that like, when marketers set uh, incentives, uh, often the, the incentive 
is the goal, okay? So the reason to uh, oh, okay. be in this loyalty program is that you want to win the free coffee, okay? Uh, that's the purpose. When we set incentives for ourselves, it's never the goal, okay? It's a uh, uh, mini goal, okay? It's something that will help us uh, get there. And, and, and so that we are kind of trying to, add these incentives, but there's already an overriding purpose for why, why we want to do this. I often say that incentivizing, sorry, motivating other people is similar to motivating yourself. You just change the, the subject of the intervention. With incentives, it's slightly different because when you incentivize yourself, you already have another reason why you want to achieve the goal. Oh, that's a that's very clever. I had never thought about that. So, once you find the right goal that's exciting to you, that um, that's not an avoidance goal, but something that you can pursue, how do you sustain your motivation by like monitoring your progress? Like, how do we like uh, like set milestones and then recognize them? Uh, so you already offered one strategy, which oh. is to uh, <laughs> set milestones. Okay. <laughs> Uh, right, uh, set uh, sub goals, uh, and what these sub goals uh, uh, do is is basically helping us uh, from the decline in our motivation when we are far from the beginning and maybe far from the end. So you know, uh, having an annual uh, saving goal is difficult because you may be motivated in January, maybe you will like boost your effort again toward the end of the year, but it was a really long middle, and having. This milestone, like a weekly exercise goal is an interesting one because what does it mean a weekly exercise goal? If you have a weekly exercise goal this week, clearly you also want to exercise next week and the week after, right? Uh, but you set this sub-goal uh, because that uh, makes the middle short, okay? There is a enthusiasm at the beginning of the week. It's a Monday. Uh, by the end of the week, you need to catch up with the last minutes, and there is not too much time uh, in, uh, in the middle. Um, one uh, strategy. Another strategy is to monitor progress such that at the beginning of the goal, you look back at the baby steps, okay, at, uh, at how much you have achieved. And then toward the end, toward accomplishing the, the goal, you, you switch your focus to look ahead at how much you're still missing. So. I just read a paper I'm going to yeah. have to send you of and it was the first paper that allowed people that sustained weight loss to mm -hmm. self-identify and then they used machine learning to basically uh, comb through their responses of how they did it. So they lost 50 pounds, the average person lost 25 kilos and they kept it off. And one of the things they said that they did was they kept looking back at their accomplishments. And then this kind of goes to your idea of a middle. If there was a setback, you're like, okay, they could normalize the setback and get back on the horse the next day. Um, I'll find the paper and send it to you, but I just read it and it was it was a Weight Watchers group, but it was a lot of people and they were able to articulate what allowed them to do it. And there was three things that were highlighted and that's one of them right there. Um, that's great. Yeah, really phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Something interesting too is like when you talk about exercise goals, a lot of people that listen to the blueprint are concerned about their health and well-being. Having a weekly goal is better than a daily goal because like I've got three kids. 
if I want to sleep more than seven hours a night, it ain't going to happen every night, right? But if the if the average of the week or the sum of the week is something that's positive, you can re- you can celebrate that, right? I, I absolutely, and so you know, a, a daily a, a goal is is probably hard, right? Because there is no backup, there is no a, a compensation. Uh, you mentioned the problem of multiple goals. It's really important to get enough sleep during the day, right? Like, uh, well during the 24-hour day. Uh, So uh, a weekly uh, exercising call is probably the the smallest unit that uh, you can get. And, you know, then, of course, it depends on the the person and their uh, circumstances. Saying that, you know, many people have uh, the daily uh, step uh, goal. And that works, okay? That yeah. that works for many people. And what I like about the daily step goals is that they are usually sufficiently ambitious and sufficiently challenging, so that you don't meet them every day, and so that keeps you uh, like literally on your toes. So even though I've heard you articulate, and we both know this, that it's a bunch of baloney, ten thousand steps a day. It was a oh. Japanese marketing campaign, and the literature actually shows that seven thousand steps is kind of like the the inflection point. 10,000 steps isn't bad. We know that if you move more, you live longer. So it's not bad because it's a, it's causing you to strain and push a little bit. And you don't find, I actually have a company that uses wearable tech. So do you find it disturbing that people at night are like running their arm, trying to go from, you know, 9,996 to get over the, the hump? High performance isn't just reserved for elite athletes and those with unlimited resources. In my free newsletter adaptation, I provide you with curated information and resources to improve your health, well-being, and performance. I cover topics like sleep, stress, exercise, nutrition, and mental performance. You can sign up today for this free newsletter at www.ericcorum.com. Now, back to the show. Yeah, well, my ten-year-old uh, son was uh, the other night waving his hand, trying to get the steps. He got this new uh, watch, and he's trying to get to ten thousand uh, steps. So, you know, it's silly. It doesn't help you to uh, walk around your bedroom or wave your arm. It, you know, it, it suggests that you don't quite uh, get the, the purpose of uh, the step goal. Uh, so, yeah, ten. A thousand is just a Japanese marketing strategy, uh, but the reason it caught is that it's a pretty good target for many people, uh, meaning there are not that many days when most of us will get to 10,000 mm-hmm. steps. And so we, um, every day we make it to 10,000, like, yay, I, I did it. You did it. You could celebrate it. <laughs> yeah. So how do you juggle multiple goals? And how do you, like when life pulls you in multiple directions, I mean, you said you have a 10-year-old, um, you're also a professor, you're writing books, you're you're teaching, you're researching, and you have family goal. How do you juggle all this and still make progress? Uh, well, uh, you realize that you have uh, uh, multiple goals. <laughs> Uh, and I think that for many of us, it's just like uh, realizing that this is a situation and do a bit of analysis, like these are my goals and what is the solution that I'm aspiring to? Am I trying to prioritize or am I trying to, to compromise? Okay, so, you know, you mentioned career and, and family. 
do I want to compromise, okay, which is what I want to do? I want to find the right balance or do you want to prioritize? Meaning you might postpone starting a family because you want to focus on your career. You might uh, put your career on hold uh, because you want to focus on your family. Understanding where you want to go is, is the first step. If it's about compromising, uh, then you need to think about the, the kind of activities that help you achieve multiple goals. And to the extent that you are a busy person, which sounds like you are, uh, these would be, for example, uh, commuting by bike. Okay, so you can get your exercise and get to work at the same time. Uh, playing a, a soccer with your kids again, like you get the exercising and now the, the family uh, time uh, together. Just be very thoughtful in how you you find activities that achieve several goals at the same uh, time. Uh, making dinner with uh, uh, your kids, right? Another combination of uh, two goals into the same uh, activity. And so I, I write about these strategies and how to think about what we call multifinal means, activities that lead to several goals, uh, and how to, to think about different means that lead to the same uh, goal. Uh, the other solution is prioritizing, and then we talk about self-control. Okay, so you might prioritize your desire to eat healthy over your uh, love for uh, chocolate. Okay, and now we need to think about strategies that help you stick to the goal that you think is more important than another. Self-control is a critical one, in my opinion. Um, and it's, you know, we talk to our children a lot about having self-control. Uh, but with ourselves, we have to get really introspective. You know, I, you know, every year people gain weight around the holidays. Well, what are you prioritizing? Relationships, parties, fun. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I gained 10 pounds. My pants are tighter, you know, and you can still enjoy life and um, eat good food on occasion. But I think that self-control piece is a critical aspect because at the end of the day, you have to take action. And that's what I love about this whole science of motivation is when you blend these things together, you can consistently take action for the things that you really desire and want. So um, I don't know. I'm just reflecting that back to you that I think that's so critical. Um, anything else on juggling multiple goals? Um well, you made a really good point about self-control that is so critical in life. I would say that one way to help self-control is to make several decisions together. Okay, So instead of deciding what to eat for lunch today, decide on what to eat for every lunch this week. Uh, instead of deciding on uh, whether to exercise today, decide about how many times you want to exercise this month and how do you put it into your schedule making several decisions in, in a wide uh, decision bracket helps people recognize the, the temptation. I, I would also say that self-control is absolutely critical, but we see that often what predicts persistence is also the intrinsic motivation. So going back to just like doing something <coughs> that you enjoy doing. So if you want to eat healthier food, you need self-control. You also need to find the healthy food that you like. Yes, there's nothing worse than eating disgusting, healthy food. So learning how to cook better definitely helps the process. Yeah. I love this. So you're clumping things. It's kind of that decision fatigue a little bit. Like if if I know that 
I do this every Sunday. I make the same lunch every day. It's chicken and roasted vegetables, and then I put something on it. And here I am. I'm in Austin right now recording my podcast. I live in Houston. I have these little plastic bins. I just put them in a cooler, brought them with me, and it made it really simple. And so I prioritize it. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And to me, it tastes good because then I can put like a little habanero sauce on it or whatever, and it's still healthy. I love that. Um, especially as I think as busy parents, life feels like out of control sometimes. And when you can have a little agency over these things, it helps. Let's talk about the fourth thing, social support. And I'd love for you to discuss that and then also discuss that topic in the light of what we've experienced in the past two years and maybe how those dynamics have shifted a little bit. Oh, yeah, we are in uh, the, the crisis of social support. So social support, let me start with it. The general uh, finding is that, uh, uh, well, uh, it is critical. We are as social animals, uh, we as people. Uh, we do things with other people and we do things in the presence of other people, which means that for our goals to be successful, uh, we need others to help. And if they are not helping, they should be supported. Okay, we, we need to be in the environment that uh, that supports our uh, goal. Uh, this is a hard uh, round and uh, the disruption that we all had uh, in the last couple of years because many times we are not in the right place to pursue our goals. Uh, for many of us, exercising was something that we used to do with other people. Okay, in a, in a class uh, at the gym. Uh, and once we move these activities to home, well, now you don't have the people that help you, okay, mm -hmm. which would be a, you, your coach, okay, or that just support you because they, they are doing the same, okay, because they inspire you, because there are other people in that environment that are doing the same thing. Uh, what you might have instead is people that are not supportive of their exercise uh, goals, uh, which are your children, for example. It's not that they oppose, it's just not their goal that you will exercise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and that uh, makes it uh, much harder. And now when I, when I talk about designing goals in a successful way, you need to see who is going to help you and who is going to help you just by having this goal for you? Does your, your partner uh, want you to exercise or you know, succeed at work? Uh, your parent, okay? your friend, uh, who are the people that are helping you by setting example and by wanting you to be successful? I also talk about role models, and I think that the mistake with role models is that we often don't realize that the best role model is the person that wants us to be successful. Okay? It's not the most successful person. Okay? Like we watch these like winter Olympic uh, athletes on television, and it doesn't make us want to exercise. We just admire them. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's my friend that, uh, that wants me to exercise that uh, is my role model. That is brilliant. I have never thought of that before. That is not because I haven't thought about it. I just think that's an absolutely brilliant uh, perspective on that because a good role model should be wanting the best for you and helping push you. It's kind of a great mentor relationship is the mentor teaches and the mentor guides and the mentor has your best um, intentions at heart. If you could like look at 
I don't know if this is even possible. So you could say this is impossible, Eric. But if you look at the totality of motivation, what is the number one variable to control, in your opinion? There is, it's not that it's impossible to calculate, it's that there is no such number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's the thing it's, um, it's a recipe, and some ingredients might be missing, and you might be missing the salt, I might be missing the pepper. And so telling you know, everybody, like the problem is that you don't juggle your multiple goals. Well, that's not true. That's true for some people, for some goals. Okay? Other people don't have any problem with the juggling. Okay? They don't have that many goals on, on their plate at the moment. Uh, they have enough time in the day, uh, but maybe they don't have social support. Okay? And, and, and so uh, what they're missing is, is different. You know what, even beyond that, our motivation constantly changing. And so, you know, maybe I, I had like, you know, at work, like I had the social support when I was working in my office. Then I moved home and I didn't have the social support. Uh, we know that uh, interventions only have short-term effects. Interventions, motivational interventions are like taking medication, okay? It works as long as it works. And then after a while, you need to revise. You need to try something else. Uh, it's really an ongoing process of understanding how well you are doing, understanding what's missing for you, what needs to be revised, what used to work and maybe no longer working, uh, what can be added. So, so no one variable, but you know, it's not that complicated. No, I love this idea of a recipe. Um, it makes the most sense. They're really, I mean, in anything, in any endeavor, there's a host. It's there's multivariate factors. Actually, one of my, I guess you could say, one of my early mentors. Did you know Gershon Tenenbaum? Uh-huh. Yeah, he was one of my early mentors, and he always used to tell me, Doctor T, as I call him, he say, Eric, everything is complex, multidimensional, and relative. And when I first heard this, I'm like, thanks, Doctor T. But the older I get, and the more I look at difficult problems, he's right. What works in one situation the the recipe for that is not going to work in every single situation at that time with those people you have to look at the you know you you trying to accomplish a, a wellness goal in your household is going to be different than me in Houston Texas but the the rules of thumb the heuristics the model that you put together if we if we analyze that recipe we can find the one that works for us and that's what i appreciate about your your book and your your work is that there isn't a magic bullet. It's it's figuring it out. And so do you mind me asking what was the was is this kind of the culmination of years of work for you that you finally were able to package this up? What motivated you to write this book? Oh, I uh, I was doing it for many years. I was studying motivation for uh, 20 years before I uh, wrote my book. And I just felt like I'm in a very messy room with lots of hidden treasures. That is, I knew about so many strategies. I also knew that these strategies work for some people, sometime for you know, a certain period of time. And 
it, it just felt, well, th- this is too messy. Like, I, I need to organize it. So I first just organized it for uh, myself. I you know, then wrote it for my daughter. <laughs> then it became a, a book. But it's really, I'm just putting order into everything that motivation science uh, I've already discovered. Well, I think it's a treasure. And I'm excited for other people to get this. So I uh, in the show notes for this podcast... Uh, I put a link to purchase the book on Amazon. Is that your preference? Uh, that would be great. Yes. Okay. And for people to follow you on Instagram, uh, I'm putting that in the in the in the show notes. Is there anything else? Other ways people can connect with you or, or elicit your services? Uh, yes. So go on my website, ayelatfishback.com. Uh, you'll see uh, uh, how to connect with me, also how to connect with me on social media. I recently uh, completed a tiny course on motivation that you can uh, take. It takes one hour and you can test yourself to see how, how well you did. So uh, happy to share that with the audience as well. And thank you so much for having me. That was a lovely conversation. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to check out episode 81 with Lauren Nordgren. In this episode, we discuss the art of persuasion and how to persuade yourself and others for good. Thanks for joining us today. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.